Uh, we'll look today at uh, James chapter 1. I, I think this is the third uh, message in, in James. And uh, we'll <clears throat> be concentrating on uh, verses 5 through 8. I'd like to read them again, James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without a reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let's pray. God, we're thankful once again to look into your word. We ask that you would take it and write it on our hearts. We pray that we would follow the exhortation that James has even within this book uh, to be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Christ's name we pray, amen. In our introductory study, we looked at James, who he was, his audience, and some of the characteristics of the book. Uh, some of the characteristics of the book uh, were very interesting. There's 20-something uh, words in the first chapter alone that aren't used anywhere else in the in the scripture. The whole uh, format of the book is different. It's it's uh, short uh, lessons or short proverbial lessons, you might say. He talks about trials. Now he mentions the response of trials. Then he says, here's a prayer for wisdom and the results. And then verse 9, he starts talking about the rich and the poor. So his uh, uh, format and the way he writes is with these quick proverbial things, but they're all uh, very important. Uh, we all will face trials. Uh, we, we looked the last time uh, that when we encounter uh, those trials, there was uh, three times that the word was used in the New Testament. The, uh, the, the man who was walking along uh, fell among robbers. They uh, encountered him. They surrounded him. Uh, the uh, ship that Paul was on with all the uh, people, they, they anchored it and they were safe as long as it was anchored. Then they saw land and they said, pull up the anchors and we'll let it, we'll just be driven to land. But they encountered a place where the two seas met. They couldn't see it. And the, the ship just dug in there and now the waves smashed the ship to pieces. Those three uses show us how trials come, don't they? Here's the man walking from one place to another. He's just minding his own business. He's carrying out his daily routine. And next thing you know, robbers come. Here I am going about my daily job. Next thing you know, I'm in a car accident. Next thing you know, I'm in the hospital. Next thing you know, the doctor gives me a bad report. The sailors, textbook, picture-perfect sailing. We're in a bad storm, throw some stuff away. Lighten the ship, do this, do that. Now the storm gets worse, throw out all the anchors and just let the thing bob until the storm. Perfect, that's what you're supposed to do. And they pull up the anchors, there's land. We've been waiting to see land. And the next thing you know, it's stuck fast and the absolute opposite of what they expected is, is gonna happen. That's our lives, isn't it? Right. I never expected this. We, we talked about somebody's there chirping in, right? Well, I knew this was going to happen all along. And that, that always helps you, right? 
in your times of trouble. But we saw the progress that James is urging us to. When we fall into various trials, we're supposed to consider. We're supposed to use our mind. We're supposed to think of what's really going on. And he says, consider it all joy. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have a mature perspective on trials. You have to understand what they're for. And then he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness, you're going to be better after the trial than before the trial. You say, well, well, that's not how it feels. That's not how I feel in a time of trial. But that's his point. The first thing is you should consider and recognize and see the goal. I consider and I'm knowing. I'm constantly knowing that the testing of my faith is producing steadfastness. Paul says patience produces hope because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. So now we know I'm glad that this is not all that there is. Because all I've had is heartache with some of my kids. All I've had is a triple bypass. All I've had is losing my job four times. All I've had is this. I, I, I don't like that. Well, isn't it good? Isn't it good that patience produces hope? Yeah. And it drives the fact that you have a different life ahead of you if you're a believer in Christ. Amen. Hope does not disappoint, Paul says. But James is realistic. Notice, he starts out on a different note, and he ends verse 4 with the goal. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, that's a good place to be in. I don't lack anything. Good. Verse 5. If anyone lacks. In trials... What are, what are my feelings? In difficulties, what do I feel? Man, I need help to get through this. There's, there's somebody here that probably never thought it caused that much pain to have teeth removed. And in trial, they faced it day after day, wake up with pain. I wish this pain would go away. And what do you need to do? You're in the trial. You should consider it all joy, but what do you need to do? Well, there's a part of me that lacks because there's a part of me that just is not going to be patient. I don't want to be patient with this. Grow in steadfastness? Grow in hope? I don't think so. This is bad. No matter what the, no matter what the issue, no matter what the trial. But he anticipates it, then he says, if, if anyone lacks. And he says... The goal is that you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And you say, when I'm going through trials, I feel much less than perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I feel that I need more. And so the next thing he says is, well, if anyone lacks. And he guides us, and he's going to direct us in that way. And we're going to do what we did before. We're going to just look at all the words in the text, and we'll see how far we, uh, we get. If anyone lacks, there's the word right there in verse 5. It means to need or want to be deficient in. It's used in uh, chapter 2 and verse 15. Somebody who lacks 
daily needs. They lack clothing. They lack their daily needs. And then is the word wisdom. And we have to spend a little time here because there's differences in wisdom. Uh, a Webster's Dictionary definition really puts, puts the finger on it because it says it's first insightful understanding of what is true, right, or enduring. W wisdom needs to focus on the right things. It needs the right object. You see? Uh, I, can't, it, I can't be wise in just whatever willy-nilly is out there. Uh, th these, this old dictionary that I have, they, they quotes Bible verses in the dictionary. You know, that's, it's one of those good old ones. It has an understanding of what is true and right or enduring. There's part of wisdom, he says, that's native good judgment. You ever hear somebody say common sense? Well, that's what, that's what you need. When, when you ask God for wisdom, first of all, sometimes you just need common sense. I have a pain in my chest. I think it's time that I start doing something about it, right? Sometimes it's just, I better do something about this situation. Well, that was wise that you did that. And then thirdly, it's the amassed learning of philosophers, science, and scholars. We're not philosophers, science, and scholars, but I would say to you, brethren, that our lifetime goal is to, is to gain biblical wisdom. You could put Christians on the end of this. The amassed learning of philosophers, scientists, and scholars. And after a while, we should be able to say, that brother is wise. That sister is wise. I could see that they are growing and amassing in wisdom. It's more than everyday understanding. Webster says it's insightful understanding. It looks at what's true as opposed to what's false and what's right as opposed to what's wrong. Otherwise, it's injustice, isn't it? Imbalanced wisdom is just injustice. Paul talks about the different kinds of wisdom. That's something that we need to to define for ourselves. Paul said his preaching didn't come in pervasive, persuasive words of wisdom or that rested on the wisdom of men. But we don't speak wisdom among those who are mature. Wisdom, however, not of this age or the rulers of this age. He says we, we didn't come and just impress people because all our words were this long that we spoke. And we had this eloquence and somebody could say, oh, when Paul came, I could hear him five blocks away as he sounded out his message. Paul says, no, we spoke the wisdom that comes from God. We were only mouthpieces. We only spoke God's wisdom. And that's different than the wisdom of the world. It's wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. And people in our age do not understand biblical wisdom. They're like Judah. They've rejected God's wisdom. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to discipline your kids. Oh, no, 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 no. The Bible says, oh, you're supposed to follow these commandments. No, I don't do that. The Bible says, oh, you're supposed to do this. No, I don't want to do that. I would do it myself. And you can see where all the worldly wisdom is, is getting people. But nowhere. 
Paul says in Romans 1, professing to be wise, they became fools. We know how to do everything. And you say, well, that's, that's pretty good because society, your state, the place where you are is crumbling all around you. And you still think that it's great. James describes it for us in chapter 3. And this is the, the pattern uh, that I will use. Who among you is wise? James 3.13. Who among you is wise in understanding? James is expecting somebody to say, I am. Because he's going to define what Christian wisdom is. And that is what we should be. We should be able to say, James, according to your definition, I am, or I'm trying to be that wise. Not like, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't pretend to be wise at all. You have to be wise. You have to possess biblical wisdom. You're going to go through trials. You're going to need more wisdom. And this is what you need. Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds, in the gentleness of wisdom. You say, well, wisdom does things and it's gentle? Yes. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and lie against the truth. That takes it to far. That takes it out there far. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. Look at the difference. Wisdom that does deeds and is gentle, or wisdom that's earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. Now here's our definition. Or here's his definition. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, and, and without hypocrisy. You say, well, that, that sounds pretty good. Those are qualities that I should be trying to go for anyway. But that's going to help me because if in trial, if I'm unwavering and without hypocrisy, that helps me. One, one of the writers calls this Christian enlightenment. This is the enlightenment that we need. This is the wisdom that we need. This is our everyday wisdom, but this is the kind that we need in trial. It's also described as insight that's rooted in faith. The insight that compels to action in, in what is the Christian's duty, both in the, the whole and its particular parts, per, and, and especially in trials and difficulties. Day to day, day to day, I need wisdom. I need wisdom when I go to work. How do I treat people? How do I do this? How do I accomplish a task? How do I, I do something that the boss told me? I, I need it. And I apply basic wisdom, my understanding of car parts, if I understand it at all, or something else, my understanding of people. But I use biblical wisdom. The man comes in, he's all upset. What do I use? A soft answer turns away wrath. I apply biblical principles. I use biblical wisdom. What is my wisdom? It's, it's peaceable. It's pure. It's gentle. You see, I use it every day. Biblical wisdom is not necessarily for the brain, but we, we have to learn it, right? It's not, a, it's not a mindless dump, 
right? Some show used to have it. You put something on your head and it, it would transfer the other person's brain into you. No, it's not that. We build biblical wisdom precept by precept, line upon line. We learn and we grow, we develop. And if I don't have it, then the next thing is in the imperative, let him ask God. You're in the midst of trial. You need wisdom. You should start to pray. And we, we, we do it anyway, don't we? We, we get in trouble. We start right away. Lord, I, I need help in this one. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance in this. It, it should. It should be going on. Matthew Henry says, when you're in trouble, when you're in trials, it's no time to start a prayer life. Mm -hmm. The prayer life should be going all along. Right. Yep. I need wisdom every day. But then I need more. And God understands that because what? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if anyone lacks, and you say, I'll raise my hand, I lack. I lack the wisdom that's necessary. Pray, but here's the invitation. How much wisdom does God have for me? Look what he says. Who gives to all generously? Oh, you need wisdom because you just had teeth pulled out? Oh, you need wisdom because you got to go to the hospital? You need wisdom because you're sick and you got 10 dozen projects that are going on? You need wisdom because you don't know how to do this, that, or the other thing in your Christian life? Well, I've got news for you. God gives to all generously. Amen. You can't out-ask. You, you can't say, well... Yeah, there's only a few, there's only a few tidbits of wisdom left. Looks like we'll pray and that'll be all we'll have. That's not right. God gives to all generously. Generously. Without reserve. It, it's one of James' uh, special words. And, and it, it's not used anyplace else. But but it, it, it has references in other literature to, to generous giving. People that just gave generously. And that's what God does. And he does it without reproach. He does it without the idea of, oh, you're here again. Now you get in trouble. Now you pray. We should be able, we should be able to say, yes, Lord, even if you reproach me a little, but, but he says, but he says without reproach, because what's going to happen to my heart? Oh, now I have to go to God again and pray for more wisdom. There's no barrier with God. Often the barriers with me. Well, I don't want to keep praying for wisdom, 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 but you, but you have to, he, he gives to all generously with, without reproach. gives to everybody. And then here comes here comes some of the 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 pitfalls, some of the footfalls. Verse 6. But he must ask in faith. I'm commanded to ask, but I have to ask in faith. The the my Christian life, I walk by faith. We looked at it Wednesday night. There was a time when I had no faith at all. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in his, I didn't believe in, in anything. And then he gave it to me. 
He instilled faith in me. And then he says, from now on in your life, that's how you're going to walk. Every day you're going to walk by faith. So it's just part of what we're supposed to do. It must be done in faith. The basis of faith is always the word and works of God. I have faith to go and pray and ask, and what can I tell God? You said all, and you said generously, and you said without reproach. And I need that right now. I need that help. Right. Amen. And here's the second thing. Without any doubting. And we shouldn't doubt. And we should try to get rid of doubt. Because the doubt, one writer has them in capitals, a big capital yes and a capital no. And the person says, yes, God's going to do it. No, they won't. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And here's a description of the doubter. The one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And here he uses a simile, and everybody's seen the ocean. Well, the ocean doesn't control itself, does it? And scientifically, it, it, you know, it's high tide, low tide. But the moon somehow exerts pressure on the water and causes it, or the wind. Right? You have a hurricane, and the waves are going to be bigger than they were yesterday when we were there, and they just lapped up on the shore. They're going to be bigger. It's a wave. It's a billow. It's a, it's a surge. Jesus stood in the boat and rebuked the wind and the waves. Because that's what happens to us in trials. Sometimes we say, I'm not pushing this boat. I'm not steering this thing. God's completely taken, uh, taken control of my life. I've never been in this situation before. I'm just like the guy who was, who was, who was going about his business. I tried to raise my kids a certain way. I was just like the sailors who tried to do textbook this and follow all these things and do exactly what God wanted me to do. And now I'm in this messy thing. And the, the tendency is to say yes, no, yes, no, and start to, to doubt because what's happening? Boom, here comes another wave. Here comes another wave. The wind drives the waves. The wind agitates. And James says, if you start to doubt, that's what's going on here. Right? Back and forth. Here comes another one. That's what's happening in here. That's what he says. That's what you're like. Tossed all over the place. Verse 7 and 8. This person ought not to expect that he would receive anything. What can he get from God if you're saying yes, no? Tossed over here, tossed over there, tossed back over here. And then he makes up a word. This man is a double-minded man. It's a combination of two words, right? The word for soul and, and the word for two. The guy's got two souls. 
the, this, this uh, person has a split personality, spiritually speaking. Or they're bipolar spiritually, right? One day I'm up. Right? That old song, right? Riding high in April, shot down in May. That, that, right? I'm up, I'm down. I'm up, I'm down. That's my life. It's just ups and downs. No, no. Maybe you're a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. That's what he says. Yes, no. Yes, no. You can feel the waves coming in. And, and that's what he says. He makes up a word and then uses it later. Purify you hearts, you double-minded. There, they're concerned. Uh, follow the Lord, be serious, or do something else. And they create this turbulence. It, the, 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 the word means unstable or inconsistent or unquiet. It, it's something that can't, can't rest. It's something that can't settle down. And, and you can see it if you, if you just read through. You can see this progress. Things sound good, then things sound bad. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That's good. Who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. That's great. I can have wisdom in time of trial and difficulty. That's good. But let him ask in faith without doubting, because then what happens? The one who doubts is like the wind, is like the sea that's driven by the wind. And then you get to the point where you can't expect anything from God because you can't figure out what you want to do. Well, I want to pray, but maybe the, maybe my self-independent, I'll do it myself, I'll do it my way, that's better. Oh, well, no, maybe I should depend on God. The, the, you can't do it that way. The, the picture of the person is clear, even though it's hard to look at that person, isn't it? He's got like two souls in him. Stuff is going on all the time, back and forth, tossed, tossed, tossed. So that's the picture that, that he presents. That's our uh, word study. And, and you can see, you can see a, a characteristic of the letter, can't you? Boy, he put it, he put it right there. He, he, he made it seem personal, did he? Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I, I want to grow in hope. I want to grow in patience. That's my Christian life. If anyone lacks. Oh, yeah. I've been that anyone. I've been that person. And, and, and that's what he does through, throughout the epistle. So we, we don't have time to go through all these. But we'll look at the need. The need for wisdom. The exhortation to wisdom. The encouragement. The promise. And, and the caution and the consequences. The first thing he says is, if any of you, and it's a, it's a pattern in James where he, he points out an individual. In chapter 1 and verse 13, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. In chapter 1 and verse 19, he says, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to anger, etc., in chapter 1 and verse 23, he says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, in chapter 1 verse 26, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious, he, he points out the anyone's, the someone's, 
the yous, the me's. He, he's pointing to each individual. You, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, and I would say, that's exactly how I feel. I'm the anyone of verse 5, aren't you? I lack wisdom in trial. Chapter 2 and verse 16, he's talking about faith and works. And he says, well, one of you is going to say, and then further on, he says, well, somebody else will say this. It's the same as, as Paul did, right? In some of his letter, he anticipates the argument. If grace is so great, what are you going to say? That we should sin so grace will abound? May it never be. He anticipates. James, James says, uh, uh, no one, no one can tame the tongue in, in 3.8. He says, uh, who is wise and understanding in the verse that we read? In chapter 4, he says, you who say this. He's trying to prevent them from this, this false presumption that they're going to go from here to there and trade and make a lot of money. And he says, beware if you're a person that says that, because you should have said if the Lord wills. And then he says in chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone, if anyone is sick. And how many times is anyone sick? You say, well, I'm in anyone. I've been sick this week. Or I'm in anyone because I'm sick last week. And, and he points it out. James speaks of anyone, any one of you, any one of us in time of trial, that there's a, a conscious need for wisdom, a realized spiritual need. And it also fits with his goal to be pastoral to these people because he's telling his flock, if you need any help in trials, God is there to give it. If you need wisdom, I can assure you that God gives to all generously and without reproach. Because the danger is to be unstable. The danger is to start to doubt. The danger is to be a yes-no person. We need wisdom that can be useful in trials, but it's not different than James definition. It says it's going to build patience. It says it's going to build steadfastness. And sometimes that's exactly what we need because I have to see this trial all the way to the end when it's not a trial anymore. And if I have an accident, that might mean that I have to go through all this rigmarole until the final call to the insurance company is done, until the final issue with the police is done, until the final thing is done. And sometimes during that process, I'll be saying, I am so sick of calling these insurance companies. I'm so tired that now I need a new car. And that car was my favorite. I liked that car better than any other car I had. But, but what are you going to do? You need wisdom. You need biblical wisdom. You, you can't be going around saying, well, why did that have to happen to me? Sometimes people act like, you see that cloud? That follows me wherever I go. I wake up in the morning and I say, good morning, cloud. That's not the way it is. We need real wisdom, but we need biblical wisdom. 
because human wisdom doesn't work. Let me give you a little example. I found myself riding in an ambulance from Parish Hospital down to Rockledge one day, and I really didn't want to be there. I was strapped into a gurney. I had uh, uh, intravenous coming out of me, and an EMT was sitting there. Well, I could have prayed for wisdom. I could have prayed, Lord, at the next light, please let me distract the guy, pull out the intravenous, get the straps off my legs, and get out the back door. Sounds like a good idea, right? <laughs> but you see, what happens to human wisdom? Where would I end up? I would end up on Route 1 in the evening, in the dark, with a, with a hospital gown on. All right, you got any other plans? You see what I mean? No. I needed to sit there. And I needed to think about my life. And I needed to think about what God was doing in my life right then and there. Because it was out of my control. Completely. And you say... I've never thought this was going to happen two days ago. And I'm strapped in this, and the guy's got to be there because I'm in danger of having an emergency. Where did I get this emergency thing? How come I've got to be strapped in and, and carted down to this place and monitored the whole time? A week ago, I was out riding my bicycle. That was much nicer. But human wisdom doesn't cut it. We have to say, God, this is where I am. This is where you put me. And I need wisdom riding backwards in an ambulance going to have a triple bypass. That's the wisdom that I need. That's the only wisdom that's going to work. Mm -hmm. My thoughts about getting out and how am I going to do this, they're not going to work. And maybe the uh, illustration breaks down, but, but we, we've, we've done it ourselves, I think. Well, I'll... It's probably nothing. I won't go to the doctor right away. I'll do something else. We, we need practical wisdom. We need biblical wisdom. Let him ask God. Let him ask God. Thomas Manton says something that's, that, that's very, very powerful. Certainly, they want most that want nothing. They want most that want nothing. Be sensible of your condition. The person who doesn't ask God really is the neediest person. That's what he's saying. The person who doesn't ask says, I can get through this. All right. We know somebody. That's what they say. I got this. You know, they'll give you a list of their troubles and say, don't worry, I got this. No, you don't. You don't. The rich young ruler, he said, I got this. The rich landowner who said, I got no cares in the world. I got all this stuff. I'm going to build bigger silos and bigger barns. And God said, no, your soul's required of you today. And all your I got this is going to turn to what am I going to do now? And so, brethren, in application, we have to think about our pursuit of biblical wisdom. And James gave us the definition. It's wisdom that comes down from above. That's what he says it is. 
And you say, well, that's exactly the, what I need. That's exactly what he's talking about. Wisdom that comes from God to everybody generously. It just keeps coming. And the characteristics of it are pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, and unwavering or impartial and sincere. And we have to realize it, that Matthew Henry is right. We should be seeking this all the time because we should recognize the lack. And when is your next trial going to start? Oh, you say, what do you mean start? I'm in, the, I'm in my next trial. When is it going to start? Well, it's probably just around the corner. Good morning, cloud. Right? You know me. I'm always in trouble. Well, then you've got to be asking for wisdom then, if that's what you think. Here it comes again. But that's what you need. We have to recognize the lack of wisdom. We have to request more. And we're in the trials or trials are on the way. Different things can change all the time. The, indep the independent person waits. And they say, well, I usually wait till things are really bad. <laughs> right? That's good. I wait till things are really out of control before I start praying. No. Independent self-confidence doesn't work. Plans to get out of the ambulance when you're strapped down with a guy you have to distract, that doesn't work. <laughs> because you have no plan B, and plan B isn't biblical wisdom, it's human wisdom. It's, I don't want to be where God has put me. That's what you're saying. And what James is saying is, you have to rejoice. You have to consider it joy to be where God put you, even though it could be described as manifold trials, various trials, because that's how you grow. That's how you get mature. And when God uses that at the other end, you'll say, thank God. I never thought I would get out of that, but now I can see how God has led me in that trial. Amen. That Psalm has the refrain, doesn't it? Jesus led me all the way. And that's what we'll say. That's what we'll say on our deathbed. We'll go through difficult things. We will go through hardships. We will go through losing jobs and all sorts of stuff. But at the end, we'll say, Jesus led me all the way. God led me all the way. And when I needed wisdom because I didn't have a job, God led me all the way. And when I needed wisdom because I never was down this rode backwards before strapped to a gurney, God gave me wisdom all the way. And you say, well, that's easy for you to say. You got out of it. Well, yeah, but that was God's providence for me. That's what he was doing with me. But when I couldn't walk three houses down the block, there were some other challenges, weren't there? Will I ever be the same? Will I ever be able to walk? Will my life be permanently like this? And you have to work through it and work through it. God, I need more wisdom. I went to bed praying for it, and now I'm waking up praying for it. And, and that's, that's our life, isn't it? He gives to all generously and without reproach. Let's pray. Lord, each of us could give these personal examples, and each of us could uh, tell you the time when we came to the end of ourselves that we really didn't even know what to do from one day to the next. 
the difficulties that we've faced in our lives, Lord, have caused us to waver in our faith, have caused us to weep, has caused us sometimes to be like that double-souled man. But we pray, Lord, through these instructions of James and his careful pastoral care for his people, uh, that we might learn and grow, uh, that within all of us would be that consideration that trials will bring steadfastness and steadfastness and hope. And your goal is to make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We know, Lord, that this is all your mercy and all your goodness to us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.